Marcus Paul, almost a public figure. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the mornings, right across Australia. On the iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio apps. The biggest issues. The biggest guess. Marcus Paul in the morning starts now. Well, good morning and welcome to Thursday. It is the 12th day of May. It's nice to have your company here on starterfm.com.au on the iHeartRadio platform. And if you're listening to us a little later on the podcast stroke prawncast, welcome to you as well. Just do me a favour, give it a share on your social media if you can, so we can continue to grow our audience. Okay, if you want to comment on any of the stories that I mentioned today, a couple of ways of doing it, 0406-521-250, that's our hotline, it's open now, you can send a text message if you like, or, or leave a message, or as most of you prefer to do, just interact with us on the Facebook page. One thing that I will be talking about is a State of the Nation online report, which is some work done by journalists at news.com.au. Now, I find it interesting because the survey uncovers simmering resentments among Australians. And I think it's a very interesting read. Look, I've, I've shared it up on the Facebook page. It's well worth a read. There's no paywall there. Basically, disenchantment with Australia's leaders and concern about woke culture are two of the most common reasons why almost 70% of people are not happy with the direction our country's headed in. News.com.au State of the Nation online survey uncovered simmering resentments across a wide range of issues, including corrupt government, lack of climate change action, expensive housing, fears over China, too much government control and the rich getting richer. It is definitely well worth a read. And I'll go through some of that report in detail during the program this morning. Now, there'll be some changes uh, in New South Wales uh, with a pilot program to test different school hours. In other words, forget about the traditional nine to three school day. I'll explain why that's being done, for what reason. It's pretty obvious to make uh, you know things a little easier for working parents. And I'll let you know what schools across the state are a part of this pilot program from terms three and four. So that's coming up, Mike Tyson. Is he or is he not going to be charged over that, you know, that uh, plane incident where he basically was provoked by some moron and, you know, in a tin can like that, don't poke the bear. I'll get to that story as well for you. And much, much more. All right, so it's... And we'll, of course, play some audio back and, and some bits and pieces from last night's final leaders' debate. The decider, which is what it was being um, portrayed as by its host, The Seven Network. Do you think it was better than Channel 9's? Yes, I do. And do you also think that this kind of format is the way to go in the future? And importantly, who do you think won? In just a couple of moments, we'll play back some of the highlights from last night's uh, leaders' debate. The final, the final chance that both get to square off, basically in the presence of each other, ahead of the federal election, which is now, what, less than 10 days away. All right, the latest news, thanks to Air News throughout the morning for you, as per always. And some great tunes to keep us company on this Thursday. It is the 12th day of May. Let's get into it. You're listening to Marcus Paul in the morning around Australia. All right, let's get into it. Last night's great debate, The Decider. What did you make of it? I'd love to get your thoughts. You can leave them with me on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning, or you can give us a call, 0406-521-250 on the hotline and leave your thoughts. So what I thought we'd do is we'll start with the Prime Minister, play a couple of highlights on some of the things that he had to say last night, and then we'll continue with Anthony Albanese after that. But first up, here's the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison with his final pitch, if you like, during the deciding debate last night on The Seven Network. Marcus Paul in the morning. As we all know, the last few years have been very tough for Australians. We haven't got everything right. We've got big challenges and uncertainties still to face. That's why this election is all about who can manage that economy best. There are great opportunities ahead, Australia, and I'm really excited about them. 
Over the last couple of years, we've come through the diff most difficult times that we could have ever imagined and couldn't have contemplated three years ago. But here we are. We've stuck together. As a government, we've backed you in. And this is one of the big differences, I think, in what we've heard tonight. See, in the Liberals and Nationals, we believe in you. We want to back you in. We believe a strong economy is based on you. We don't believe the government is the answer. We believe you are the answer. And that's what our policies are designed to do. That's why we believe a strong economy is the best way to enable you to fulfil your aspirations for you and your family, to shield you against the pressures that are going to come in the years ahead on our economy, putting upward pressure on interest rates and the cost of living, to shield that job, to shield that income and that business and that retirement saving that you have. It's also going to guarantee those essential services so we can tackle the big problems in aged care. $19.1 billion to support our response to the Aged Care Royal Commission that I called. These are tough challenges. Continuing to support Medicare at record levels, bulk billing at 88.8%. It's up from 82.2% when we first came to government. To ensure we keep building those roads and infrastructure that keep you safer and get you home safe and on time to be with your family or to get to work and to ensure that we continue to invest in our defence forces as we go forward in our security and intelligence agencies. This election is a choice. It's a choice about who can manage and deliver that strong economy because that's what your future depends on. And now is not a time to risk that on an unproven opposition and Labor leader who don't have a plan for our economy and haven't got the experience with the challenges that we face. A vote for the Liberals and Nationals on May 21 is the strong, responsible and safe choice for a strong economy, for a stronger future. Thursday morning, May the 12th. Great to have you company. Marcus Paul in the morning. Well, last night's great debate. Uh, the decider on the Seven Network gave both the Prime Minister and the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, a final hit out against each other in their, you know, the presence of each other. So Australians can make up their mind. That's how it was being billed. Did it live up to those expectations for you? Let me know. You can do so on the Facebook page. All right, we've heard from the Prime Minister. Now it's over to Anthony Albanese, who had a lot to say, of course, during the debate last night. What did you make of his comments? Here's some of Albo's highlights on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have a plan for a better future a plan to make sure we can grow the economy in a sustainable way by investing in infrastructure, by investing in climate policy, by making sure that no one is left behind and is no, no one is held back. We can do better. We have a range of challenges facing us as a nation. We have childcare costs that are spiralling, that stop people, women, women working that fourth or fifth day. We can do better than that. We've had 22 attempts at climate policy and we have uh, issues of floods and bushfires, we've seen the impact. We can do better than just continuing to drift there. We have pressure where so many people can't see a doctor when they need one. We can do better than that. We have young Australians who can't get the skills and training that they need for the jobs of the future. And we can do better than that. This election is a choice. It's a choice over whether we seize the opportunities which are before us. We have a government that's asking for three more years of more of the same. They don't really have a plan or a policy for the future because they struggle with the present. And that's why at this election we've got constructive plans and processes in place that we're putting forward to the Australian people. If we don't elect a new government, will miss out on the opportunity to increase women's economic participation through cheaper childcare. We'll miss out on the opportunity to end the climate wars. We'll miss out on the opportunity to deal with cost of living and stop everything going up except for people's wages. If we can't even get consensus here about a $1 increase for, minimum, for the minimum wage, then I think that uh, this country isn't able to go forward I firmly believe that we have a great future, but in order to do that, we need a better government. Well, as you've no doubt heard, Sydney has been rocked again by more underworld violence. Two brothers targeted by a hail of bullets in the foyer of a Sydney gym had been warned their lives were in danger before the deadly shooting. 
Comancheros bikey boss Tarek Zahid, who's 41, and his now-deceased brother Omar, who was 39, was sprayed with bullets at the Body Fit Gym on Parramatta Road in Auburn at around 8pm on Tuesday night. Now, Tarek Zahid suffered 10 gunshot wounds to the body, including one to the head. But miraculously, he survived the ambush and remains in a serious condition in hospital as we speak. Now, Omar Zahed was treated for multiple gunshot wounds to his stomach, arms and legs, but unfortunately, he passed away at the scene. Now, when we arrived on scene, both patients had suffered significant blood loss and one of them had gone into traumatic cardiac arrest, according to New South Wales AMBO Inspector Kevin McSweeney. He said paramedics did everything they could, but despite best efforts, he died at the scene. The second patient had been hit with up to 10 bullets and incredibly was still conscious and breathing when we transported him to hospital. This was an horrific and confronting scene that unfolded in front of several witnesses. It's very fortunate that no other members of the public were injured. Now, after the shooting, two burnt-out Audi Q7 SUVs was found at Greenacre and Barala. So, the brothers were warned. Of course, police will check to see whether the two burnt-out vehicles were connected to the shooting. Assistant Commissioner Michael Fitzgerald said yesterday the pair had been warned as recently as last week. They were marked men, but neither chose to take any extra precautions or protections. Homicide Squad Danny Doherty's uh, Homicide Squad detective brother Danny Doherty confirmed one line of inquiry police are pursuing was whether this latest shooting was linked to ongoing conflict between crime networks in West and South West Sydney. Well, I think it probably is, isn't it? He says detectives are looking at whether a, quote, power struggle within criminal networks was at play and said they are not discounting any previous incidents. Meanwhile, New South Wales Police Commissioner Karen Webb said officers won't rest until the conflict is resolved and her greatest fear remains that an innocent member of the public will be killed in this violence. Now, she said that Strike Force Raptor will again be ramping up their presence in the area targeting criminals. Not mums and dads, but criminals. Webb asked anyone with information or video footage to speak to police. She said we're asking for witnesses. We're talking about criminals who don't assist police, but someone must know something. Now, New South Wales Deputy Premier and new Police Minister Paul Toole issued a warning to anyone involved in last night's targeted shooting. If you are part of the Sydney underworld, you are involved in criminal activity. We are going to hunt you down, he said. We will actually kick down doors, raid homes, raid businesses. We will harass you. We are going to come after you and we are going to lock you up. Earlier, Premier Dominic Perrottet also issued a similar warning for those involved in the latest shooting. He said, and I quote, there is no place for crime and for these criminals in our city and in our state. And if you are involved, Strike Force Raptor and the New South Wales Police Force are going to hunt you down and lock you up. Now, earlier yesterday morning, the Police Commissioner Webb said the shooting was possibly a revenge attack for the fatal shooting of Mahmoud Brownie Ahmed in Greenacre last month. She said, this is the commissioner, we can't rule it out. And some of these people are in conflict with a number of other groups and it's hard to pinpoint if it is direct retaliation or not. Strike Force Leary has now been established to investigate this current shooting with dozens of officers added to the probe. All right, well, we can only hope they catch them and put them behind bars before an innocent member of the public is killed. Marcus Paul in the morning. If you like, you can give me a call. What's the number, Marcus? 0406521250. Anytime, 24-7. Call me on, have your say on the Marcus Paul in the morning show. On Starter FM. 
Well, just in time for winter, would you believe a round of supersized power price increases has begun, with a formerly market-leading retailer hiking usage charges by as much as 43% due to soaring wholesale electricity costs. Reamps which has more than 80,000 customers, glad I'm not a customer of theirs, this week emailed its customers to notify them of the price jump, saying it was, quote, unavoidable due to the extremely elevated wholesale rates now being seen in Australia. This is a challenge we expect all retailers to face in the weeks and months ahead. That's according to Reamped CEO Luke Blinko, he said in the email to customers. That's further bad news for households already dealing with surging petrol and food prices, along with the first official interest rate increase since 2010. Now, it's also a potential pain point for Prime Minister Scott Morrison, who's been talking up the 10% fall in electricity prices since he came to power. A reamped email seen by the media flagged usage rates increasing from about 17.5 cents per kilowatt an hour to 25 cents a kilowatt hour, a lift of some 43.2%. There was a reduction in that customer's daily connection charge, which is the other component of a bill. A different reamped customer email showed their usage rates increasing from 17.6 kilowatt per hour to 22 kilowatt hours. That lady's customers, uh, that customer's daily connection rate also fell. Now, the company told News Corp the 43% usage charge increase was an extreme example and that the average bill uh, rise faced by its customers would only be around 15%. Well, the big three retailers, AGL, Energy Australia and Origin, They have told media they will announce new prices in the middle of next month. Because the trio own power generation assets, they may hike by less. We can only hope so. But their starting prices are typically higher than some of the minnows in the first place. Reamped said the wholesale energy cost spike had been caused by a, quote, perfect storm of factors, including greater demand for coal, gas and oil in the COVID-19 recovery, along with the Ukrainian conflict. Wholesale energy costs account for around one third of a total bill. Network costs are 45% of the total. The reamped price increase was first identified by One Big Switch, whose spokesman Joel Gibson said this is just the beginning, unfortunately. If you're not prepared to shop around and switch this year, then be prepared. Your power bill could end up ballooning by hundreds of dollars on top of groceries, petrol and mortgage increases. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Our phone number 0406521250. That's the hotline here at Marcus Paul in the morning. You can send us a text or give us a call, leave a message anytime you like, 24-7. Or as most of you prefer to do, just leave your comments on the Facebook page. Well, some sad news in the last day. The former partner of top Australian Olympic swimmer Ian Thorpe has died in Bali. Friends say the skincare entrepreneur Ryan Channing died suddenly on the Indonesian islands this week. Everyone's distraught, said one close friend who didn't want to be named. It's just so sad and everyone is shocked. The friend said Channing had been battling health issues for some time. Another close friend confirmed the news, saying it is so incredibly sad. Now, it's understood Channing was taken to Bali's BIMC hospital on May the 8th. That day, a friend commented on Channing's Instagram with a heartbroken emoji, while another one wrote, RIP, beautiful soul. A representative for Ian Thorpe said the Olympic greats' thoughts are with Ryan's family. Channing, who was only in his early 30s, was a model and law student before he and Ian Thorpe, who's 39, began dating back in 2015. The pair were vocal through the marriage equality plebiscite, as you may recall, and spoke about their desire to become parents together with the help of a surrogate in the United States. 
Now, he went on to launch a successful skincare business, the Black Group, B-L-A-Q Group, encompassing brands, flight mode, black and generation skin. Anyway, he confirmed back in 2019, this is Channing, that he and Ian Thorpe had split. Uh, They've gone their separate ways. Um, And he'd also become engaged to a civil engineer by the name of Levon Baptiste. Now, Channing's last post on Instagram, on which he had more than 21,000 followers, was revealing he'd been diagnosed with COVID and had been hospitalised at Sydney St Vincent's back in March. He was a regular on Sydney's social scene, friends with high-profile locals, including Talia Gumeli, Christian Watkins and Jono Costanzo. All right, detailing its founder on the Black website, Channing's biography read, while Black Group founder Ryan Channing's first career was within the law industry, he always had a keen interest in beauty. It wasn't until Channing discovered the instant benefits of activated charcoal during a trip to Japan that he felt inspired to make the career switch. Anyway, that was his business interests, and it is sad, a young man in his early 30s, the former fiancé of Olympic swimmer Ian Thorpe, has died suddenly in Bali. If you like, you can give me a call. What's the number, Marcus? 0406521250, anytime, 24-7. Call me on, have your say on the Marcus Paul in the morning show. On Starter FM. Okay, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning. Always feel free to comment on our Facebook page or you can give us a call or send us a text anytime, 24-7-0406-521-250. Well, the New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet yesterday revealed which schools will abolish the traditional school day as a part of a trial to shake up the standard nine to three school hour day. The state government has given the green light to abolishing the traditional 9am to 3pm school day and running activities like homework clubs after class in a bid to make school pickups and drop-offs easier for working parents. Now, a trial is set to start in eight schools around the state from Term 3, whereby community organisations, local businesses and sporting clubs will work with principals to run activities outside of class times. Schools participating in the trial will not necessarily change their existing class times, but will be able to do so if they wish. Now, the Premier, Dominic Perrottet, said the activities on offer will be high quality and enable schools to use valuable community infrastructure like green playing fields. Uh, Yesterday, the Premier said, we want to offer greater support and comfort to parents, knowing that their kids are safe and happy, taking part in a homework club in the school library, a dance class in the school hall, or soccer practice on the school oval. He went on to say, we know it can be a challenge for families juggling the competing demands of work and family life around standard school hours, and this pilot is about exploring options to help with that. The pilot will run in terms three and four, looking at how we can improve access to our school sites, particularly those that are underutilised. Now, what schools will be included in the trial? Well, Cordor Public School, which is in Sydney southwest in the MacArthur region, Orange High School and Matraville Soldiers Settlement Public School in the east. Education Minister Sarah Mitchell said schools would work out what is best for parents and would see what has worked well at schools overseas. Now, she said, This isn't necessarily about changing existing class times. What we are doing is finding ways to better support students and make it easier for working parents to manage their commitments. This research pilot will give us a better understanding of what schools are already doing and how we can expand or implement effective practices at similar schools. Grattan Institute's Transport and Cities Program Director, Marion Terrell, applauded the government for trying out staggered start times and said it would help localise congestion on Sydney's roads. All right, well, we'll see what happens with it. What do you make of it? Uh, Do you support changing the nine to three school day? I see News Corp have uh, 
put up a, a poll in the last 24 hours and 52% of respondents so far, those that have voted, a couple of thousand, say well, 52% of them, do support changing the 9 to 3 school day. All right, well, as I said, there's a few other schools as well um, that are taking part in the research pilot. Cordor Public School, Hamwood Public School, Hastings Secondary College, Kent Lynn Public School, Matraville Soldiers Settlement, Orange High School, Spring Hill Public and Tacking Point Public School. Again, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. You can leave them on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, Thursday morning, the 12th day of May, and I noticed yesterday in a number of stories that the anger on the Northern Rivers is still palpable over a lack of support during the recent flooding crises. Voters arrived at Southern Cross University for the second day of pre-polling for the federal election, and the anger apparently was palpable. Local residents made their feelings heard, pointing to a potential protest vote against the current government as a result of their handling of natural disasters. Now, the Nationals hold the seat by 9.5%. I'm talking about up there in uh, the Northern Rivers, uh, Lismore area. They hold it by 9.5%. The Nats, after enjoying a massive swing back in 2019. But voters have said repeated mistakes, including a sluggish response to the floods, has burned their support for the coalition. Northern Rivers native Ken and his wife Kerry have turned their backs on the government. The biggest issue for me is everyone is talking about doing something, but no one is doing anything about the flood, said Ken. Ken and Kerry's daughter lives in Korokai, the small town that was devastated by flooding along the Richmond River. He voted for a change of government because he feels they've talked the talk, but so far haven't walked the walk. They talk about millions of dollars, but nothing has happened. We need to bloody fund-proof the region, he said. Uh, Floodproof. Did I say fund? Well, they need funds <laughs> to floodproof the region. Start doing something. Right now it's all talk. Start bloody doing it, said Ken. He was particularly disappointed the federal government had only committed to $75 million for the rest of the financial year from the Emergency Recovery Fund. And I've spoken at length about this $1.3 billion fund, which is sitting in bank accounts earning interest for the federal government, but not going where it's supposed to go. And that is flood proofing areas and uh, mitigating uh, future emergencies. Kerry acknowledged that Kevin Hogan had done a lot for the people of Ms. Lismore and the electorate of Page. Not everyone, though, was negative about the government, with Fred and Desley Cox turning up to support Kevin Hogan and vote to re-elect the Morrison government. They sympathised with the Prime Minister Scott Morrison's triple whammy of bushfires, COVID-19 and floods, and they say Page MP Kevin Hogan deserved to be returned in the seat. He said, this is Fred, on a scale of one to ten, I would give the government an eight for how they've handled it all, said Fred. That's why I voted for them. If it were a hung parliament, I could emigrate to the Ukraine. All right, well, off you go, Fred. Anyway, what do you make of all of that? Look, I, I understand the frustration that goes on up there because they are right, local residents, when they say not only the federal government, but also the New South Wales state government talk the talk, but rarely, you know, make big announcements, but rarely follow through. And that's been a constant criticism of the uh, the Morrison government for a number of years. Desley, another local, had a bright idea for the flood recovery to tackle the insurance crisis that has plagued Lismore families for the last few years and is set to get worse over the coming decade. She said, I think the government should put a levy on insurance companies for floods like they do for fire. You know, there are fire levies. They should put a charge on for a flood levy so everyone is covered by flood. You get your stamp duty and fire levy, put a flood levy on, I'm sure people wouldn't mind an extra 10 or $15, so everyone is covered. Now there's a good idea, if only the governments would listen. Marcus Paul in the morning. If you like, you can give me a call. What's the number, Marcus? 
0406521250 anytime, 24-7. Call me on, have your say on the Marcus Paul in the Morning Show. On Starter FM. Alrighty, welcome back. Well, uh, this is a bit of a, a balls up. An incumbent Liberal MP uh, for the seat of Reid has copped a blast from her Labor opponent for appearing to confuse her rival with a former pre-selection candidate in the seat of Fowler during a debate. Dr Fiona Martin yesterday morning suggested her Labor opponent, Sally Situ, had only run in Reid after trying and failing to gain the candidacy in Fowler, seemingly mistaking Miss Situ with the candidate in Fowler, or used to be, uh, before Christina Keneally was parachuted in, Chu Lee. Now, Miss Lee is of Vietnamese heritage and was blocked from running in Fowler, as I said, after the Labor leadership parachuted in Christina to contest the seat. You found an opportunity and you couldn't run in Fowler, Miss Martin said. Christina Keneally kicked you out of Fowler too. Miss Situ appeared visibly shocked and taken aback before confusion at the claim turned to anger denying that she had contested to run anywhere other than Reid, the electorate she lives in with her husband and her son. I understand that people make mistakes in the high-pressure environment of an election campaign, Miss Situ said. All I'm asking is that Miss Martin simply admit to her mistake and to apologise. Now, when Miss Martin's camp was asked about the issue... They said Fiona was referring to previous reporting in the Sydney Morning Herald that Miss Situ was in the running for the state seat of Cabramatta back in 2018. Oh, what a load of bullshit. What a deflection and what a lie. Labor Deputy Richard Miles rubbished this, and so he should have. And he claims, uh, and the claims Miss Situ would ever look to contest any other seat than Reid. He said... Now, I don't know what's going on with Fiona Martin, but Sally has only ever contested or tried to contest the seat of Reid. That's Richard Miles. Fiona needs to explain herself, and in my opinion, I think she needs to apologise. I mean, does she not know who she's up against or what the hell's going on? It's a bit arrogant, don't you think? Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, welcome back on this Thursday morning. I put a post up yesterday sharing uh, this big new survey that was conducted by news.com.au. They called it the State of the Nation Online Survey. And I think it's worth pondering. There were some 14, or nearly 14,000 responses from Australians aged over 18 to a number of important questions. And even though, you know, some may argue that's not really a a true representation of the the feeling or the sentiments out there, I think it's well worth exploring. Australians have revealed why they're unhappy with the direction that our country is headed in, and it should send chills down the spines of our leaders. According to the survey, Australia is ruined. Furious Australians have unloaded about the direction our country's going in. Now, I'll go through uh, for the rest of the show, not in one hit, but in a couple of segments, what some of the key findings were, because I find it very interesting. Disenchantments, we'll begin with this, disenchantment with Australia's leaders and concern about woke culture were two of the most common reasons while almost why almost 70% of people were not happy with the direction our country is headed in. News.com.au's State of the Nation online survey uncovered simmering resentments across a wide range of issues, including corrupt government, tick, lack of climate change action, tick, expensive housing, tick, tick, fears over China, which I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, and I've mentioned on this program before, that really is because we have warmongers in our current government, including Peter Dutton, and also too much government control and, tellingly, the rich getting richer. Yeah, one of the key questions I asked Friendly Geordies earlier this week and I always ask my listeners and followers, are you better, any better off now than we, we, what you were, I guess, a decade ago? Anyway, there were just shy of 14,000 responses from Australians aged over 18 
to a survey question that asked whether people were happy with the direction Australia was heading in. A whopping 68% answered no. The greatest dissatisfaction was among those aged 25 to 33 and 35 to 44, our younger generations, with 71% of those groups unhappy, while those aged 55 and over had the greatest or the highest satisfaction with 34% happy. Interestingly, the results were better than in 2019 when 75% of people were unhappy, 7% higher than this year, and only 25% were happy compared to 32% now. All right, well, uh, the results, and I put the link uh, to this story, which includes graphs and a whole range of issues. Um, you know, in this year's survey, many of those who were happy commented Australia was performing better than other countries. Those who were unhappy had gripes across many different issues. The greatest dissatisfaction nationally was in Victoria, where 73% were unhappy while the happiest states and territories were the Northern Territory, 46%, South Australia, 36%, and WA, 35%. Women, we're told, were more likely to be dissatisfied, with 71% unhappy compared to 67% of men. Interestingly, 53% thought Australia had done a good job of handling the pandemic and had avoided the death toll and economic impacts of other countries. But... 25% thought authorities should have imposed less restrictions and lockdowns, with the vote highest on this in Victoria, where 33% thought there should have been less restrictions. Around 46% of Victorians still thought Australia had done a good job, but it was the only state or territory to record a, to record a score lower than 50%. Satisfaction with the COVID response was highest in Western Australia, and South Australia, 58 and 59% respectively. Men were more likely than women to think Australia should have imposed less restrictions, with 27% of men thinking this compared to 22% of women. But overall, just 18% thought Australia should have done more to limit the COVID death toll. So what do you make of that? Look, when it came to the cost of living, Labor blames the coalition for the triple whammy of skyrocketing inflation, falling real wages and interest rate rises. It says it will get wages moving, make childcare up to $1,600 a year cheaper for families and bring power bills down by an average of $275. It will bring the cost of scripts down by $12.50 and match the government's expansion of the eligibility for the seniors healthcare card. The coalition blames inflation when it comes to cost of living, things beyond Australia's control. It has halved the petrol excise for six months and is doling out one-off payments of $250 to pensioners. Low and middle income owners will also receive a $420 tax offset when they do their tax returns. It will bring the cost of scripts down by $10 and expand eligibility for the seniors' healthcare card. So that's just a little sample of this so-called uh, State of the Nation online survey. I'll get into some more details for you very soon. I mean, the hot topics included, as I just mentioned, uh, cost of living, there's economy and jobs, COVID, education, the environment, health, house prices, tax, childcare, and social services. You know, it's a really, really good read, actually. And importantly, uh, the sample size is, you know, getting up around that 15,000 mark. So I think it's pretty good. Anyway, I'll get into more detail from that in just a couple of moments. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning on this Thursday. I'm just going through some of the findings of a news.com.au uh, survey, an online survey that they entitled State of the Nation. Um, they spoke to around 15,000 Australians who responded to a range of questions on the economy, healthcare, tax, COVID, a whole range of other social issues as well. And look, as I mentioned at the very top, I mean, the headline from this is that 
Australians are furious. They've unloaded about the direction that our country is going. Why? Well, the reasons for the dissatisfaction with Australia's general direction varied widely. Out of uh, nearly 10,000 people who said they were unhappy with Australia's direction, 7,875 wrote a comment explaining why. Interestingly, many of the responses centred around a sense that Australia had lost its direction. There's no direction. We are barely stumbling from one crisis to the next, one respondent wrote. Australia is going away from its values and what made it a great country, another said. Others lamented poor leadership and said they felt we have no goals or directions, while others said they felt the country was becoming increasingly divided. Just no chance to improve myself anymore. The land of milk and honey is gone, one person wrote. We are not prepared for the future, lacking in every area. No infrastructure, no security or means to defend our country. No way to defend our borders, said another respondent. Look, another common theme was the focus apparently on woke culture, which was blamed for political correctness, restrictions to personal freedoms and the focus on climate change and fringe groups. Woke leftists and climate alarmists are destroying the fabric of our nation, one person said. Too much political correctness and pandering to minorities by left-wing groups, another one wrote. Woke and PC trends are destroying personal freedoms and we have media in Australia that's become far too biased and left-leaning, wrote another responder. Well, what do you make of all of that? I mean, I'm... (laughs) I'm not exactly convinced that's right. Anyway, there were also many comments complaining about the lack of climate change action. This government has refused to address the real issues of climate. They look after their own and that's about it, one person said. Another simply said, cruel, corrupt and poor climate action. What about the issue of corruption and too much government control? A possible hangover from two years of COVID restrictions was the frequent complaint about too much government control. Our government needs to get out of our lives. They have become authoritarian with mandates, border closures, etc. They need to manage our government, not our lives, one person wrote. Too many taxes, government having too much control over people's lives, added someone else. Many complained about corruption, Another wrote, too much government red tape and interference into people's day-to-day lives. Australia needs to get back to basics. Sort out Australia's problems first, was another comment. One also wrote, the LNP have created an Australia where it is okay to lie and cheat. Unchecked corruption and billions of dollars wasted or channeled to mates. Our government is corrupt. They have no interest in the people, wrote another respondent. Well... It's getting interesting now, isn't it? I'll give you some more from this survey that's being conducted by News Corp. It is the State of the Nation online survey from news.com.au with just shy of 14,000 responses from Australians aged over 18 years old and most of them saying they were unhappy with the direction and the future that we faced here in Australia. Marcus Paul in the morning on this Thursday. If you care to comment, I've got this story up on our Facebook page. I'd love to see your responses. Get your thoughts. All right, welcome back. 0406521250 is our hotline number here at Marcus Paul in the morning. It's open for you 24-7, maybe. Uh, if you're listening to this morning's program or the podcast later, you might leave your thoughts on this State of the Nation online survey that I'm dissecting at the moment. It was done by news.com.au. They spoke to just shy of 14,000 Australians and overall... People are unhappy with the direction and the future that we face here in Australia. Uh, They're also unhappy with governments too. They say that politicians have, quote, ruined Australia, unquote. Dissatisfaction with Prime Minister Scott Morrison's performance was another feature, a concerning result amid a close election campaign. One respondent simply said Scott Morrison ruined Australia. Another said the government has lost touch with the people. They only care about getting re-elected and not about the people they represent. 
People were also critical of Labor, but opposition leader Anthony Albanese's name was not mentioned as much, possibly because he's not as well known. Maybe that plays into the small target approach that Albo has taken to the polls. Now, another said Scott Morrison is not a leader and his party has no idea. Not sure we are heading anywhere. Uh, but Labor, if Labor get in, we are in big trouble, according to one of the respondents. Another wrote, I've lost a lot of faith in our leaders. Scott Morrison has completely lost touch with people and does not understand the pressures people are under. His she'll be right attitude is simply offensive. Labor is simply the other guys that promises they'll be better than this guy. Sorry, I don't believe that. Then you have the United Australia Party whose advertising and plans for Australia are simply lies, yet the major parties don't call them out as they may need their votes to get elected through preferences. If either major party take the United Australia Party or One Nation's preferences, then they have lost my vote. Well, they will take, in particular, the Liberals and Nationals will take votes from One Nation and the United Australia Party, so I guess they've lost that respondent's vote. All right. Cost of living complaints were not an overwhelming focus, which is a little surprising. Mind you, interest rates hadn't risen, I don't think, when they did this survey. Although many people did mention expensive housing and the growing class divide in their responses. One person wrote, housing is becoming a luxury. Another said it's becoming too expensive to survive. The rich get richer on the back of the people who do all the work for little reward, someone added. Cost of living and housing affordability are going to increase class disparity and poverty for future generations, said one respondent. Now, of course, there was also concern about the loss of manufacturing. Not enough industry and manufacturing, not enough training tradespeople. Uh, country health, that is, a lack of doctors is a major problem, uh, said one person. Others also mentioned fears about China as tensions increase in Australia's backyard. China has built 30 Navy ships in the time we spent arguing gender politics, one person said. Immigration was also mentioned, but some worried Australia was becoming more racist. One respondent to the survey wrote, we're getting more racist. Publications are blatantly sharing misinformation. Social media provides everyone a soapbox and the ability to share this incorrect information. Another said, too much immigration, bringing their cultural problems and attitudes to Australia. It's not appropriate, hence crime increases, etc." While some said there was too much welfare being given to minority groups, others decried the lack of compassion for others. Cruelty and lack of compassion for those in need, poor, unemployed, disabled, uh, refugees and asylum seekers has worsened, according to one respondent. And finally, we'll finish on this one. The government pretend they care, but the gap between rich and poor continues to widen. There is more homelessness and poverty when there should be more social housing. Human beings are kept cruelly on islands for years or sent to New Zealand away from their families in Australia to solve an Australian problem that then becomes a Kiwi problem. There should be a treaty uh, with ATSI people that's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, and on and on it goes. This country is officially beeped, and politicians don't care. Well, there we go. If you want to comment on that survey, I put a link up on the Facebook page. It's news.com.au State of the Nation online survey. And it shows disenchantment with Australia's leaders, concern about woke culture, and also basically outlines why almost 70% of people are not happy with the direction our country is headed in. Australians have revealed why they're unhappy with the direction and it should send chills down the spines of our leaders. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning to something a little lighter now. Well, depending, I guess, on what side of the fence you were or what, side, what seat you were in the plane... When former heavyweight boxing champion Mike Tyson unloaded on a pest 
Anyway, uh, remember this story. It goes back a couple of weeks. A passenger who was annoying Tyson and allegedly also threw water at him was, you know, beaten up. Not really. Well, he copped a couple of punches from the former world number one heavyweight champion. I mean, you got to be, you know, some kind of special uh, to poke Mike Tyson. Well, the former boxing champion will not face criminal charges. Now, over repeatedly punching a fellow plane passenger, according to prosecutors in California. Mobile phone footage showed Tyson leaning over the back of his seat and delivering a flurry of blows to the man who appeared to be left with bruises and some bleeding after the incident, which happened, what, on April the 20th. Iron Mike was initially friendly to the passenger, we're told, and his friend when they boarded the flight from San Francisco to Florida, but snapped after the man wouldn't stop provoking him. San Mateo County District Attorney Steve Wagstaff has said there would be no charges against the former fighter. He says, we've reviewed the police reports of the San Francisco Police Department and the San Mateo County Sheriff's Office, and we've viewed the various videos collected by law enforcement from others on the aeroplane. Our decision is that we will not file any charges against Mr Tyson based on the circumstances surrounding the confrontation. These include the conduct of the victim leading up to the incident, the interaction between Mr Tyson and the victim, as well as the requests of both the victim and Mr Tyson that no charges be filed in this case. There we go. Considered one of the best heavyweights at all time, Tyson is also known for his erratic behaviour, which included infamously biting off a piece of Evander Holyfield's ear in that 1997 fight. And, of course, we know what happened. He was jailed for a number of years back in, what, in 1992, convicted of rape. And back in 2007, he admitted to a cocaine addiction. But from all accounts and everything that I've read and seen, in, you know, the last decade or so, Mike Tyson has really tried to turn his life around. He's, you know, investing in property and he's, you know, staying out of trouble. The last thing he needs is some knucklehead provoking him in a small space like an aeroplane. It's not as if Tyson could get up and walk away from the bloke. Anyway, I think the right decision has been made in this case. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, well, that's about it for the program today. Thank you for your company. Um, Don't forget the Prawncast will be downloaded a little later so you can listen back to anything you might have missed this morning. And there's plenty uh, for you to comment on the Facebook page, including that State of the Nation online survey from news.com.au, which I have shared. I think it's quite interesting. Um, You know, nearly 15,000 Australians giving their view on, you know, how they think we're going. And I agree with the author saying it possibly should send a a chill down the spine of our political leaders. If you haven't had the chance to yet, have a look at it. And by all means, leave your comments there on the Facebook page. Maybe you'd like to call us to let us know what you thought as well. 0406 521250, the Marcus Paul in the morning hotline. It's open for you. 24-7. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll catch up with you again tomorrow on starterfm.com.au, the iHeartRadio platform. Tune in and, of course, later on, the podcast stroke prawncast. Marcus Paul in the morning. Back tomorrow. Bye for now. You know, it's best for the problem here. You know, staying out of trouble.